Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello once again, everybody. Thanks for joining me again for Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for the second week in a row, we're back with my friend Steve McVeigh. Rather than introduce him again, you can check out last week's podcast. But just know how special it is for me to get to see Steve face-to-face and to visit with him again. We started this journey some 10 years ago. He's always made me feel at home and welcome and included. And I can't say enough about our friendship. He's written a forward for one of my books and endorsements for others. And He's been to Lawrence, Kansas uh, a couple of times to speak with our group here. I, You know, I'd like for him to move to Lawrence. I think if we all had focused intention enough, we could bring an ocean back here someday. But that's for another uh, <laughs> another subject. But Steve, thanks for being with us again. Thank you, Paul. I'm glad to be back with you. And I so value the friendship you and I and, and Kitsy and that we've had all these years. Me too. Thanks. Well, Steve, when I first started listening to you, it was Grace Walk. It's still Grace Walk. You and I are both Grace guys. But eventually along came a word inclusion, which I don't know that I'd ever heard before. And things kind of went from there. So tell us, if you would, where inclusion has taken you, your understanding of inclusion. Just tell us what that means to you. Yeah, well, that is a can of worms, isn't it? (laughs) You might say that word changed the whole trajectory of my life, and it brought about some very enjoyable things and some very painful things. When you say the word inclusion, unfortunately, the word has become so muddy that a lot of folks don't know what it means. Inclusion is a word that is closely associated with the word universalism. And the reality is that all universalists believe in inclusion, but not everybody who believes in inclusion would call themselves universalists. So you've got Inclusion simply means that you've got different sects, if you will, or schools of thought under the word inclusion. But inclusion in its broad sense, theologically speaking, means that through Christ, all of humanity exists inside of the Father, inside that perichoretic circle of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All humanity, in fact, all things exist in him. So everybody is included. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the definitive evidence of the love of God for all mankind. God demonstrated, he proved his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And sinner didn't mean we were chewing tobacco and smoking cigarettes or cigars as some people I know do. But instead, what it means is that we fall short of understanding the glory, the doxa, the assessment of God toward us in defining our identity. And so the death of Jesus on the cross showed that. And that was true. What he did on the cross was efficacious for all humanity. So there's inclusion. Everybody's included. Everybody's in Christ. He's above all, in all, through all. But where the problem comes is people think that when we make such a statement as that, which, by the way, I didn't create, the Apostle Paul did, that we're saying that everybody's a Christian. 
I boldly stand for inclusion, and you know that, and those that know anything about me know that. But I've been maligned and misunderstood because of my stand. I certainly recognize that there's universalism, like Unitarian Universalism that says nobody needs Jesus because God is this big sloppy grandfather, granddaddy up in heaven who just brings you in no matter what. And then there's Christian Universalism that says everybody is included and it's been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And Christ is the pivot point. He's the gateway, whether you know it or not, the Christian universalism. And then there's Trinitarianism, which is where my theological moorings rest after the order of people like Thomas F. Torrance, his brother James, Carl Barth, Jürgen Moltmann, and others like that, going all the way back to Athanasius. So let me be more clear, going all the way back to the Apostle Paul. So the, well, the word inclusion just means we're all in. It doesn't mean you don't need to trust Christ. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't need to experience salvation. It doesn't mean, ah, don't worry about it. God's got your back. We all end up in the same place. So don't give it another. That's not what we're saying. But it is a very controversial word and concept, as you well know. Yeah, yes, I do. <laughs> I have experienced that. We had a church of 250 or so here in Lawrence, a great little church with a lot of good things going on. And man, I preached that down to about 50 people when I <laughs> when I started teaching grace and then in inclusion. And, uh, you know, I un- understand that there's some for a lot of people, there's a, a choke point that they just can't get past yet. It's, it's interesting, though, and I know you've had this uh, happen, too. In the years that, you know, people have left, some nicely, some not so nicely, but I, I've had people come back to me and, and literally apologize and say, man, you know, I'm sorry. I understand now what you were saying. You know, I get it. Everybody was included at the cross. I didn't think that that was possible to begin with, but thank you for showing me that. And, and now I'm able to see that they're in other places with other groups of people, maybe more gently than I did, leading people to a more complete understanding of who they are in Christ. And Paul, I respect you for the road you've taken. I have respect for anybody that's willing to travel the path that takes them deeper into truth and then just allow the consequences to be whatever those consequences might be. Because, you know, as you know, I've experienced the similar thing. But the thing that I would ask critics of where you are, where I am, is what would you have us to do? That's what I would say to the critic. What would you have us to do? You think we're wrong. Well, I had a guy say to me, it's been a while back, but he said, could you be wrong? Without hesitation, I said to the guy, absolutely, I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong. I was so wrong so long about so much while thinking I was so right. I'm under no pretense that I think my belief and understanding is infallible now. But I would say to those, but what would you have us to do? People like Paul, you and myself and others. If we have found ourselves coming to the place as we did, where we began to be exposed to a biblical understanding that didn't fit what we already believed, and if we grappled with that truth as we did, I know it was six years I struggled with this Trinitarian theology before I publicly began to speak about it, 2011. So if we've done our homework, we've studied the scripture carefully using the original sources of the original language and the ancient patristic church fathers right on up to the modern day. And we've drawn from all the sources we knew how so that we could be as academically honest and acting with the highest scholastic integrity we knew to behave with. If we've done that, if we had prayed and said to the Holy Spirit, if I'm wrong, show me. I don't want to be misled. I know this is different from what I have believed and from what my friends believe. So if I'm wrong, 
please, my desire is to walk in the truth and not be misled. You protect me and guide me and make sure that you lead me into truth. If we've taken all those steps, all those measures, and we've not had a sudden shift overnight from this to that, but through gradual, methodical growth, we've come to the place where we are today. And if we believe that it's the Holy Spirit who has brought us to this place, then I would say to our critics, what would you want us to do? Would you want us to behave with an absolute lack of integrity? I know guys that have done that. I've actually talked to a few guys that have said, Steve, I know you're right. I believe that. But in the church world, and honestly, in the pastoral world I'm in, I can't say that. I had one pastor, and a lot of people that watch this podcast would know him because he's in a church that's known nationwide. He's on television. And he told me something one day he said about inclusion from the pulpit. I said, you said that? And he laughed. He said, yeah, but I said it real fast and hope they didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so my point, my point is, what do you want? What, I'd say to the critic, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to act with no integrity and pretend we don't believe what we believe? Or do you want us to stand where we are? My position is, why don't we just stand where we are, each of us, knowing that all of us have come to the place we are, hopefully, hopefully, after prayerful consideration, using the high standards of academic honesty, biblical hermeneutics, why don't we just respect and love each other where we are? But unfortunately, a lot of folks can't do that. And Paul, I had to say, even in, and maybe sometimes especially in, the grace community, because you get outside the handbook and folks go crazy and they'll attack the belief of inclusion when they don't even understand it. But they attack it based on what they think they understand. (laughs) Yeah, I've experienced that too. Well, speaking of the grace community, I think it was back in 2010. We hadn't met yet, but I was watching your Sunday teachings on your website, and uh, I was getting old then. I was 62, and <laughs> and I had a really cool youth pastor worship leader in our church who was a really good communicator, and I, I was having him speak maybe a, a quarter of the time or something like that, and I decided he would be somebody who would be really good to succeed me when the day comes in leading the church. So I wrote to you, I've still got this, your email that you sent back. I wrote to you and I explained, I said, Steve, you don't know me, but here's my situation. Is there a seminary you can recommend to me where I could, and our church will pay for it, where I could send this guy to go, where he could learn what you know and what you're teaching. And your words were exactly this, sadly, no. And you went on to say, I wish there were, but there's just not. And so I thought, Dang, I said some other words too, but I won't say them here because I'm a pastor. But (laughs) I said, dang. And so I did my best to mentor this guy. And and he's at a bigger church in another city now, and he's doing great. But at any rate, then along came, at least to me, I saw something somewhere online about, uh, it was then called the Radical Grace Seminary, now Global Grace Seminary, where I could get a bachelor's degree for a thousand dollars then and do it in my own time and I could listen to <laughs> to teachers like you and Mike Miller and Andre Rabe and Don Keithley and Francois and all kinds of different people and I thought, well why wouldn't I do that? 
<laughs> and so I did. I got in that first class. It took me about two and a half years because I was still leading the church and doing some other things. But that's probably the best investment I've ever made in time and money. And you're on the board. You're one of the vice presidents of that. I know as we're recording this, you just got back from a board meeting in Houston. Tell us about the Global Grace Seminary, why people should at least check it out, and what benefits you see from it. Well, the thing that attracted me to be connected with Global Grace is just what you have said. It is affordable. And the reason it's affordable is because the seminary is all online. So we don't have the kind of heavy overhead costs that brick and mortar education institutions do. So we're able to keep the cost at a minimum. As you mentioned, it is something that the students can proceed through based on their own schedules and the time available to them to study. It is the only accredited degree that I know of where you can go to school. There are a lot of organizations and groups and ministries, some of them good, by the way, that are teaching a similar message now. A lot of workshops, conferences, seminars, and even schools, as they're called, that teach the message that we're teaching. But Global Grace Seminary, to my knowledge, is the only one like what we are because it is a school where you listen to the lectures you take tests, you write essays, you go through the program, and in the course of your flow, you'll reach the end and you will be given an accredited degree, not just a certificate of completion, but an accredited degree. And I know you're one of our graduates, as you said, and we have many others that have the same kind of testimony as you. The school offers a bachelor's program, so if you've never been to college or university, you can go in at the bachelor's level. If you already have a bachelor's degree, there are prerequisites, just buy courses for the prerequisites for the master's program. So we've got several different master's level programs. The professors in our school, in my opinion, are the cream of the crop. Being an online school, we were able to recruit profs who would teach their courses from their location, or some of them actually came to Houston and recorded it. But because we're an online school and they recorded the classes that one time, we got the cream of their teaching from the cream of the crop professors. And we've got, as you mentioned, people like Francois Dutoy, who's the translator of the Mirror Bible, who lives in South Africa, Andre, my friend Paul Anderson Walsh, who lives in England. We've got folks from around the world, from Australia. We've got Stuart Johnson and other people in Australia, all over the world. We've got professors who have contributed to the degree programs. And I just don't know of anything like it. It's like if I went to the Golden Corral Buffet, and I said, okay, I don't like everything on this buffet, but I'm going to pick my favorite dishes. And then they said, okay, we're going to go open a different restaurant called Steve's Cafeteria. You're just going to have all your favorite dishes and only your favorite dishes. <laughs> That's kind of like what I, the way I see the seminary. We've got the best of. It is an education. I'll say this, Paul. It is an education. It's not indoctrination. You know, I've got a bachelor's, two master's, and a doctorate degree. And I got those degrees from a denominational school. And the denominational schools that I attended taught me, but they taught me purely from the perspective of their own understanding of Scripture. So I got that particular denominational interpretation. At GGS, we try to offer a more broad understanding. It's a liberal arts education, not liberal versus conservative, but a liberal arts education, meaning that you will hear from a lot of professors who come from a lot of varying viewpoints on different subjects. The one thing we all share is the belief in inclusion. That's the underpinning of everything that we all teach. But then when you get into the seminary, 
knowing that we all believe in inclusion, you're going to hear different professors who will present their own specific understanding and viewpoint on various subjects. So the thing I like is in the seminary, not everybody agrees on everything, whereas in denominational schools, they have to. The one I was in, they had to sign a doctrinal statement saying they agreed with everything. Mm-hmm. I've had students write me who are attending Global Growth Seminary. They say, Steve, Dr. So-and-so said such and such. Do you believe that? I say, no. No, I don't believe it that way. Well, I don't either. Why are they teaching that? I said, well, listen, you need to understand this is not Sunday school. This is not a denominational school where you're being indoctrinated. This is a seminary where you're being educated and you need to be taught and understand views that you may not necessarily agree with, but you still need to understand the other viewpoint and be able to intelligently discuss it. So I won't go on and on, but I could because I'm so passionate about the school and what it offers, but that's the gist of it right there. It's a solidly biblical, grace-based accredited degree coming from professors who are the top of the field in the subjects they teach about. Well, amen to everything that you've said. And I love still, I've gotten to know some of the different teachers and professors and gotten to be friends with them. And of course, listen to Don Keithley's teaching every week, but Don's doing some great things on the cutting edge. And you know, it's so, um, I don't have the right word for it. it it's just, I, I just get, I'm getting warm fuzzies as I think about it. But to hear you, Don, Paul, Baxter, others say, I see this differently now than I did a year ago. I'm coming into a more fuller understanding of this or whatever it is on different things. And that's so refreshing to me than to be stuck in something all your life and fight off any possible attacks that could be different. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but in a big part, that's what this podcast, Grace to All with Paul Gray, is all about. I, I want everybody to understand God's grace is for all people, no matter what we've been taught. I mean, for crying out loud, Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, <laughs> you know, the, God sends the rain and the good stuff on, you know, the righteous and the unrighteous. God's grace is for everybody. And I want to live my life that way. I want to teach that. I want to help people see inclusion. And, uh, well, I basically, I want to help people see other people as Christ sees them. And find when I do that, when I go into a uh, store or to a movie or to a concert or whatever, and I just, you talked about this morning on your, you used the term S-T-O-P, stop. And I've used that for a while too, a little different meaning. For me, it means simply take off Paul. Stop, simply take off Paul. And I'll take off what Paul would see in these people and their looks or their dress or their actions or their speech. And I'll say, Jesus, Show me what you see. Show me what you see. Tell me what you want to say to these people. It almost always starts with a smile. <laughs> and, you know, and I, yeah, and I, I just found, man, when I do that, I see things that I never would have seen before. And I, I see starting to see Christ in everybody. And it doesn't mean I condone their actions or certainly that they condone mine, but it's just that I see Christ in all of us that we're all connected, that we're all one together, that quantum entanglement, quantum uh, physics, of course, has proven that now. But it's just a totally different way of life and a much better way of life, isn't it? Well, what it does is it opens us up 
to the place that we don't have to hide behind our mask. We're able to drop our guards. You know, I've often said there's something so liberating about knowing, truly understanding that I've been justified, that I'm good with God, because once we fully understand that we've been justified, we're freed so that we don't ever have to try to justify ourselves to anybody else. We don't have to justify ourselves to other people. We can just be true to our authentic selves and who God's made us to be. And if people like it and they like us, we're pleased by that. I've said for decades now that when we understand our true identity and what it means to walk in grace and people disapprove of us, it doesn't mean we don't still care. All of us want to be liked. But what it does mean is we don't let the expectations or the judgment of others to affect how we live our lives. I wish everybody liked me. I'm a nice guy, but there are folks that hate me. I can't change that. But their hate or their criticism or their judgment, it's not going to change how I live my life. But I understand it. Sometimes I don't like me either, so I understand it. But, you know, it frees us to just be ourselves when we know that we're in Christ and everybody else is in Christ. And as I said to one guy who was debating me one day, I said, dude, we're just trying to get through this life together. Chill out. I'm doing the best I can. If I'm wrong, pray for me and I'll do the same. We're just trying to get through life together. We've got to drop this harsh, judgmental, exclusion mindset that keeps people at arm's length. We've just got to open ourselves and become vulnerable and transparent. And I think if we will do that, instead of trying to change each other, if we'll just begin to focus on loving and understanding each other, the world will become a lot better place. seems like I've heard somebody else say that, maybe in the red letters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much again. I, man, it's, it's always does when we're together. It just goes by way too quickly. But thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule. I know you just got back from a conference and a cruise, and you're doing you're going to Pittsburgh and doing television programs, and you're doing something five days a week on Quantum Life with Steve McVeigh. And for you to take the time to visit with me again means so much, and thank you. It's my pleasure, Paul. Thanks. Best to Melanie, and uh, we'll get together again. And thank you all for watching today, being with us for Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.